Hey everyone, welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm Julia Beauchamp and I'm here with Computer World Executive Editor Ken Mingus as well as Sharon Florentine, a senior writer for CIO.com. And we are going to be talking about some of the changes and proposed changes to the H-1B visas and how that might affect IT business. So stick around. All right, everyone, welcome back. And Sharon, thank you so much for calling in today. So what are some of the changes to the H-1B visa program? Could you walk us through those? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. This is a really important topic that's getting a lot of buzz lately. Um, so I appreciate your having me back. Um, so this year, 2019, um, there were four big proposed changes. Um, two of those have um have been implemented uh two are still in the proposal stage um they're not sure if those will take effect um going forward but the two that are most final one actually went into effect um as of april 1st 2019 so as of April 1st, 2019, the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is USCIS, um, they flipped the way that they select from the H-1B visa lottery. In the past, they would, um, they would choose 65,000 applications from a general pool and then they would choose from a smaller 20,000 visa pool of people who have held advanced degrees. Um, so in an attempt to get more folks with advanced degrees into the US workforce, what they did was they took all applications, general degrees and advanced degrees, and put them into the general pool of 65,000 visas. So then they selected those 65,000, and then those who were not selected were put into the running for the 20,000 um, advanced degree visas. So what that was supposed to do was increase the chances that a candidate would be selected who held an advanced degree. Um, one of the people that I spoke to um, about this issue, he's the CEO of Envoy Global. His name is Richard Burke. Um, and he said that the government um, estimated it would increase the chances of someone who held a master's degree being selected for an H-1B visa by about 16%. So that's, that's pretty good news for U.S. tech companies who are trying to get more uh, folks into their workforce that that have these advanced degrees. Um, so that that's the first change. They they flipped the the order of selection. Um, the second change that will not go into effect until April 2020 um, deals with the registration and application process itself. So in the past and including this year. Um, companies who wanted to get H-1B talent had to fill out the entire application. Um, and this is an extremely lengthy and pretty costly application process. They had to fill out every minute detail about their applicants. 
and it just it took a really really long time um companies were preparing for to, to submit these applications for you know a year or so in advance so what uscis did was they um they changed that process so that companies would only fill out a very basic um, initial application form um, with with pretty general simplified information on the candidates. And then if your candidate was selected from the lottery, only then would the company have to go back and fill out the rest of that form with all that minutia. Um, so that was a, another change that was made to streamline and speed up the, the application process for these visas. But again, that will not go into effect until the next year, um, next April, 2020. Sharon, I'm curious, you know, one of the things about the H-1B visa program that's made it so controversial for years or even decades now is this idea that companies could use it to bring in workers from, from other countries basically displacing U.S. workers. And I wonder if the, you know, the, the first change that you mentioned that's already gone into effect about changing the, the level of the degree that, uh, you know, where they are in the pool, is that designed to basically lift the, you know, the, the I guess, education level of people who are getting these jobs so that lower skilled workers in the U.S. might not be as displaced as they have been in the past? I just wondered if that was sort of, if there's a connection or a correlation there that, that we know about. You know, that's a really great question, and um, it's it's entirely possible. Right. Uh, one of the things that um, Richard Burke and I were, were speaking about on this issue was that that very change was, was not very well received by um, some of the large IT um, consulting firms like Infosys or um, Tata, who that's kind of their their bailiwick. They bring in a lot of um, lower level, entry level tech talent from India and China. And um, so that change was not very well received by some of those larger companies for that reason, because they're not, um, you know, the, the talent that's, that's receiving the visas has the higher education level. And so they're not able to place as many people. Right. I, I understand. And it does make sense. I mean, I know that these companies have said for years that like, oh, we're not trying to displace workers and we just can't find the skills here. And of course, that that's an argument that's been met with a lot of skepticism from IT workers in the U.S. who are like, wait a minute, right. we could do this job, but, you know, we're getting frozen out here. And uh, it's interesting, too, the second change, the one that's going into effect next year, it also sounds like it's a kind of process that might open up the visa program to companies that may not have the ability to do all the detailed form filling out ahead of time, you know, so they can get their, get their dibs in for a, for a visa slot, but without having to fill out and do all that work beforehand until they know that they've actually got somebody that, or they've got a slot that they can fill. Right, exactly. Um, one of the other uh, people that I spoke to when I was writing about this, um, Penny Bradshaw, who is an immigration attorney and has been doing this work for something like 35 years, um, she made that exact point that it's it's a whole lot of work and often companies will hire uh, immigration attorneys and, and legal firms like hers to 
to complete those applications and and help them through the process and it's it's very expensive um for each application it's it's thousands of dollars um on top of the fees that you pay to the government so yeah it it's definitely going to help that's interesting it seems like even if there's some perhaps some pushback about the varying about the different preference for advanced degrees, there's still plenty of reasons that businesses can benefit from this new law. It can make things a lot easier for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so one thing I did want to point out um, that the the 65,000 general pool and the 20,000 master's pool um, that's been in that number, that 80,000, 85,000 uh, number for H-1B visas has really only been in effect um, since, I believe, the last 10 years or so. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the cap was much, much higher. Um, it was almost 200,000 visas were awarded each year. And um, so that cap has absolutely been lowered um, over the last decade or two, Um, again, in an attempt to leave these positions open for American workers. So it's interesting that there's still that that pressure. Um, And I, again, I would I would add that um, I'm not going to add anything because I just lost it. I actually have a question related to that because, you know, we've talked okay. about the cap and I know that there have been times that it has artificially gone up and then it's been brought back down and now it's at the 85,000 level. Uh, usually year in and year out, you know, the visa process starts, I guess, April 1st and then very quickly. Uh, the visa slots are all claimed because it's like this gold rush mentality by companies. Do you have any any updates on how things have gone this year? Is that has that been the case this year in terms of the slots being filled? As far as we know, it absolutely has. Um, for the last uh, five years since 2014, all of the general cap slots have filled within five days, and this year is no exception. Um, they filled all 65,000 by April 5th. And uh, they're now saying they're, they believe they've got enough master's degree holders to fill the 20,000 slot uh, master's cap as well. Okay. So if you were looking for an H-1B visa slot this year, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try again next year. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Sharon, you've talked about some of the changes that have either already go, gone into effect or will go into effect next year, but there's also some proposed changes uh, um, regarding the H-1B visa process and the program. So could you please touch on those as well? Absolutely. So these are a lot more controversial, and um, they seem to be very much at odds with the first two proposed changes, which were supposed to make it easier and faster for IT companies. Um, the first one involves um, removing the ability for H-1B visa applicants and, and those who receive the visas to bring their spouses and families here uh, to the U.S., 
And, you know, if you're someone who is working internationally, you've got a wife and maybe kids, and you're trying to make a better life for your family, you receive this visa to come here and work, but you can't bring your family here, then what's, you know, you've got a very, very difficult decision to make. And I would guess that a lot of folks would would choose their family for for very good reasons. Um, you don't want to be that far away from your wife, your kids, your husband, your partner. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't doesn't fit. Um, so that's the first one. The second proposed change is um, under the second Bush and then the Obama administration, there was um, a rule put in place that H-1B visa holders could extend their stay here for an additional 12, 24, or 36 months. And there's a proposal um, currently out there that would eliminate that ability to extend the visa. And again, that's kind of at odds with, um, you know, helping U.S. businesses bring talent here and keep them. Um, if you can't extend that visa past 12 months, then, you know, your talent is going to be here and then it's going to be gone and you're going to be left in the same position with, you know, vacant roles and an inability to to grow and to innovate. So those are the two biggest ones you know it's interesting and i wonder you know we were talking about this earlier when we were sort of like scouting out this this topic whether or not those changes because as you say they do run counter to this idea of making the visa program you know easier or more open for for some companies whether that is running into the current debate we're having in the u.s about immigration because this sounds like the kinds of things that if these proposed changes were to go into effect would certainly hamper companies' abilities to get qualified um, workers because, of course, as you said, they don't want to leave their, their family behind. And if they get them here, then they, they can no longer extend their stay here. And do we have any, any sense if there's like a little bit of politics going on around this? I mean, it's H-1B visas, so it's always a political issue in some ways because it, it right. touches on workers. But I just wonder, you know, given the current climate here in the U.S., whether there's any sense that that's sort of behind these, these at least proposed changes. I 100 percent believe that there is. And um, some folks that I've spoken to on background uh, for this also absolutely believe that that's the case. Um, it, it's really it's really telling that you know on one side the administration is is very pro-business and is relaxing regulations and doing whatever it can to make sure that businesses and corporations can succeed. But then on the other hand, like you said, it's running right into the, the immigration debate and, you know, who should be able to come here and why. And, um, yeah, I definitely believe there's, there is a lot of, of political, um, infighting going on around, around this issue. Now, I'm just curious how you, since this, these are changes from previous administrations, I'm curious how you think 
um, in the future this will play out or maybe how and how businesses are going to respond to those proposed changes? Um, well, we've already seen um, in some cases that talent is is going to more friendly, more immigration friendly countries like Canada, um, where they're much more welcoming and open to foreign national talent coming and, and working there. There are, um, there are other kinds of visas that they can use. For instance, if they hire talent in another country, and then they can transfer that person to a location in the U.S. Um, after they've been employed with the company for a certain amount of time. So perhaps they'd hire someone in a European country, have them work in that location for a year, and then transfer them to San Jose or New York City or another location. And so that's a way that companies are, are getting around this issue and still getting the talent in the door. Um, another way that they're trying to get people here and to stay here is um, a lot of companies, as soon as they receive the H-1B visa and that person comes to work for them, they start the process of applying for and getting green cards so they can be permanent residents. Um, and you know they'll help with immigration issues, they'll reimburse or pay for legal fees that may be involved in that process. So there are ways that companies are addressing this, um, you know, either to tackle it head on or to, to use other means to kind of go around it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it would make sense for certainly some businesses in order to retain that talent past the 12 months would be to absolutely to assist in um, their workers in some sort of path to permanent residency. Mm -hmm. I'll just weigh in real quick with a comment, which I just wanted to say, it's interesting about this as you laying, as you're laying out the changes that have taken place already and the changes that are being proposed that, you know, we've, we've written about this at, at various IDG pubs for years. And this program seems to be like a political football every several, every few years, you know, caps are raised, yeah. caps are changed, caps are lowered. And it, it depends on the political heat. And I, I do, uh, you know, I wonder how companies year to year, you know, can adjust quickly to these changes, especially some of them, you know, could be pretty dramatic in terms of, of, of how it would affect the, you know, the group of people who can come to the, come to the U.S. and work. And it, it just surprises me in some ways that there's not enough, consi- there's not consistency through the years across administrations, because this is obviously, a, you know, one place for companies to get you know, uh, it, it's a pool of talent that they that they say they need, and you know it, it's just interesting that it gets sort of tweaked almost every year. You know, and these are some pretty big tweaks as you as you've as you've laid out. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, to 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 follow on from that, it's it's interesting that companies are still fighting over over these these issues. Um, when there are also other steps they could take, um, within the U S, um, to, to also bring in more talent from U S born and U S based talent. Um, and, 
you know, I, I've, I've blogged about this a number of times. You can, you know, start partnerships with universities to kind of funnel um, talent right from computer science programs. You can look at boot camps where people are either job changing or women are returning from maternity leave and getting new skills. You can um, maybe work with different universities or programs than you have worked with in the past. Not everyone at your company has to graduate from Stanford or MIT, um, you know, that kind of thing. So there are huge pools of untapped talent in the US that companies could also be going after um, that that they're also not chasing. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sharon, for calling in. It's a really interesting topic. It's obviously a huge hot topic. And it'll be also interesting to just see how this continues to play out if these um, if the two proposed changes, what happens with them. Um, and as you've already said, all of the H-1B visas, the changes that went into effect April 1, all of those are already gone. So, yep. yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It yeah, was great. Th thanks, Sharon, for the update. I should mention real quick, too, that there will be a, uh, if you want to weigh in on this com on this, this topic, that we're doing a uh, Twitter chat on May 16th at noon Eastern time, hashtag IDG Tech Talk. So if you want to weigh in, be sure to... Uh, to pop on the Twitter and uh, give us your thoughts. Yep, I will be moderating that as well. Awesome. Great. Thank you all for watching this episode of Tech Talk. If you like this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. And let us know in the comments your thoughts about these changes and how you think that these this might affect business. And again, be sure to chime in on that Twitter talk as well on May 16th. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.